And while children is exiting, uh, let me introduce our guest speaker today. It is a very uh, special privilege today to have uh, Dr. David Hardich. He is an executive director of uh, Texas Baptist for since 2010, so last you know 12 years. And uh, uh, those of you new to the forest, we from the beginning decided to be a free church tradition. By that we mean that is uh, we. Have, we, want to have, have, we want to work with a denomination that, that recognizes autonomy of a local church. And we want to use a denomination as a partners in ministry and missions rather than some kind of a, you know, controlling bodies. And those of you new to the Texas Baptist, Texas Baptist, we have about 5,500 churches and close to 2 million members. So roughly speaking, Six out of 100 Texans are Texas Baptists. Six out of 100. Not a Texas Christians. The Texans are affiliated with the Texas Baptists. And uh, Dr. David Hardage, he's the sort of a head of that entire Texas Baptist, you know, coordinating and encouraging us. So it is our great privilege to have a Dr. You know, David Hardage. He looks very distinguished, and he's a distinguished, but he's incredibly personable and down to earth. So please. You know, grab him after the service and ask him question, anything. And he is a Texan. Since many of us are uh, transplant Texan, you can ask him everything good and bad about Texas or Baptist or Christian or Bible, anything. He is a man today. So question that you couldn't ask me, please ask him today. Okay? So as a Dr. David Hardage comes, let's welcome him. Thank you. Let me turn this on. There we go. There, is, that, is that better? Way better. Hey, first of all, thank you, Pastor, for the invitation. Thanks for the opportunity. Secondly, do not ask me any question. Uh, you, I'm, I'm, I can answer a lot of questions, but I'm not, I can't answer everything. So that was a little bit bold, but uh, I appreciate that. Honored to be here. Been looking forward to it. Uh, your pastor serves on our Texas Baptist Executive Board. So we have 5,000 plus churches all over Texas, but and 2 million, 2 million point two Texas Baptists, but we only have 90 people who serve on our board. And so of all those 2.2 million, your pastor is one of our executive board directors. And so we're really grateful for him and thank you. Uh, as a church for being a part of who we are and what we do. And today may be just a little bit different, uh, so just kind of go with that if you, if you would. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of things today. The uh, first thing I want to do is just answer some basic questions about who we are and, and what we do as, as Texas Baptist. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what our message is and what makes us a little bit different than all the other denominations and maybe all the other religions that are out there in Texas and beyond. So if you'll just go with me on those two things, uh, and I'll try to do all that in a short amount of time. Uh, so everybody's probably wondering how long. You've never heard me preach. So everybody's wondering how long is he going to take. So uh, not that long. But I do want to talk about those two things today, so we'll get to it. But thank you again for 
the opportunity to be here, Pastor. I'm really grateful. And thank you all uh, for your part of our Texas Baptist family. So the first question I want to answer is, you know, who are we? This Texas Baptist. We also have another name. It's called the Baptist General Convention of Texas. And sometimes people shorten that to BGCT. So that's, that's who we are. But who is that? Well, we're made up of 5,000, almost 500 churches all across Texas. And we actually now have about 55 churches in nine other states that are a part of our Texas Baptist Convention. So we are a growing body of believers, uh, and, and we're very ethnically and culturally diverse. We have about 1,100 churches that are predominantly Hispanic. We have about 900 churches that are predominantly African American. And then we've got about um, 200 churches that are, um, well, we call them Western Heritage. They call themselves cowboy churches. So, and if you've never been to a cowboy church, uh, you should go have that experience. Uh, I go to the cowboy churches. I do not dress like this when I go there. Uh, I'd be way out of place, but I do drive a pickup truck, and so they welcome me with open arms. Uh, and then we have about 400 churches that are made up of about 70 different languages in which we do ministry and mission every single week. But that, that's who we are. We are a convention of churches all over Texas and in nine other states besides Texas. So another quick question is, well, why do you exist? Why is there even a Texas Baptist Convention? Well, we exist for two reasons. Number one, we exist to help the church do whatever God leads you to do. Now, the pastor said that uh, we don't tell you what to do. That's 100% accurate. You tell us what to do. And we try to be obedient to what our churches tell us to do in mission and ministry. We don't tell you what to do. But if you ever need us for anything in mission or ministry, we are here to help churches. And so me and our whole staff, every single day of every week, we are out all over Texas helping churches do their mission and ministry work to the best of their ability. So, for example, children's ministry. I know you dismissed children a little bit ago. We have a world-class expert on our staff in children's ministry, and she stays busy every day helping churches know how to do children's ministry to the best of their ability. Same for youth, same for adults. We have architects who help churches fine-tune their buildings. Discipleship, evangelism, uh, we teach people how to contend for the faith in a contentious culture like the one in which you live in now. So we have 260 employees, most of them here in Dallas, but many scattered across the state. But we're here to help the church do whatever God leads you to do. If, if you need us, we're here to help. But the second thing we do is we help the church do what you cannot do by yourself. So you, Forest Community Church, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of mission work you can do. There's a lot of ministry you can do as a church. But just think, when you take your church and you combine that with 5,000-plus other churches, what can we do together? That's pretty significant. So, for example, Baptist Student Ministry. Now, you say, what is that? Well, we call it BSM, and it's 
ministry on college and university campuses all over Texas. So as a church, you can help support a Baptist student ministry, say right over here at UTD. You can help do that. But when we take 5,000 churches and we combine all of that work together, you help us put a college minister this, this coming fall. We will have a campus minister on 130 college and university campuses all over Texas. So that's, that's the, we call it the power and practice of cooperation. When we come together to cooperate, to do mission and ministry work together, we really can make a difference. So that's why we exist, to help you do whatever it is God leads you to do if you need us. And secondly, we exist to help all of these churches do collectively what they cannot do by themselves. So, another question. Where do you do your work? Well, predominantly Texas. Uh, this is where we are. We used Acts 1.8. So, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. So, we kind of take that, and we take Jerusalem. So, today, Jerusalem would be Plano. This is where we are, so we want to help you reach Plano and beyond. But Judea for us is Texas. It's that next big place out from where you are. So in our mind, you shall be my witnesses in Plano and Texas and the United States and the rest of the world. But we start with your Jerusalem and with Judea, which we think of in our mind as that's Texas. So there's a lot of mission and ministry work needed in Texas today. So right now in Texas, and the pastor kind of mentioned it a minute ago, but there are 30 million people who now call Texas home. And here's a couple of statistics for you. 55%, and I'm not, I, I'm not a mathematician. Some of you are good at that. Uh, whatever 55% of 30 million is, that's a, a bunch. Uh, that's the way I do math. Uh, 55% of everyone who now lives in Texas, spiritually speaking, they do not believe in anything or anyone. So 45%, only 45% of, of Texans today have any spiritual connection whatsoever. So this is our home, but it's also our mission field. So most of our work is done right here in Texas through the 5,000 churches through the 130 Baptist student ministries on college and university campuses, and you help us have 15 missionaries on the border between Texas and Mexico. So all the, if you went all the way down to the south tip of Texas, the city down there is Brownsville. And if you went far out to west Texas, as far as you can go, before you get into New Mexico or Arizona, that's El Paso. Between Brownsville and El Paso, we have 15 missionaries. Now, that little stretch of land on 50 miles this side of the Rio Grande and 50 miles into the Mexico side of the Rio Grande, in that stretch of land, there are 14 million people. So we have, we have a missionary for every million people. So, but Texas is where we do our work. So that's why we exist. That's who we are. That's where we do our work. What's our focus? Let me take just a minute and tell you what our focus is. We focus on two things. 
So one of those is in Matthew chapter 22. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said that uh, they were asking him a question, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And the second is like it, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. So that we focus our ministry on loving God and loving others. So when you talk about loving God, if you know who God is and you believe in him and you know who he is and what he's done through, the, through Jesus Christ, you know God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, down the cross for us. If you believe that message then loving God is a natural response to who he is and what he's done. So loving God's natural if you believe in who he is and accept his son Jesus as your savior. Now loving your neighbor sometimes is a little more challenging. I don't know your neighbors, I know mine. And loving my neighbors is a little more challenging. But I love God because of who he is and because of what he's done. I love my neighbors regardless of who they are and regardless of what they done, be done, because that's what Jesus has commanded me to do. So we're a loving God, loving others convention. Whenever you hear the name Texas Baptist or BGCT or the new name I'm going to give you in just a minute, whenever you hear that, I hope you'll think that's the group. And I'm part of that group that focuses on loving God and loving others. But the other thing we do is based on Matthew chapter 28. That's where Jesus said, go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So in Matthew chapter 28, we call that the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 22, that's the Great Commandment. Matthew chapter 28, we call that the Great Commission. So in the Great Commission, there's an expectation. Jesus expects us to go. When it says, go therefore, if you take your Bible and you read it, and it says, go therefore. If you translated that literally from Greek to English, what it says is, as you are going. It is an expectation. So God expects us. Jesus expects us to go. He expects us to go across the street. He expects us to go around the state. He expects us to go all over the country. He expects us to go all over the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. There's an expectation to go. There are some instructions in the Great Commission. We are instructed to baptize and teach. Go, therefore, and baptize and teach. There's one command in the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, there is one command. The command is make disciples. We have been, we have been commanded by Jesus to make disciples. So we are. Forest Community Church, you are. Texas Baptist, we are. Together, we are in the disciple-making business. That's who we are. That's, that means that we tell people about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And once they come to faith in Jesus like we have, then we hope they can become a part of a church like faith community, I mean forest community, where they can grow up and be mature followers of Jesus Christ. But that one command is make disciples. So what we've done is we've taken the great commandment and the great commission and we've given ourselves a new name. GC2 is what we call it. It stands for the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So if you ever hear the name Texas Baptist, BGCT, or what you'll hear more of going forward is GC2, that stands for that's the group. I'm a part of that group. And they focus on two things. They focus on loving God and loving others, and they focus on making disciples. I'll tell you a little bit about our loving others work. So in, in the prayer a minute ago, we prayed for the people of Ukraine. So I want you to know that since day one of that war, 
you, Forest Community Church, you have helped us put people on the field in Poland and Romania and in Ukraine ministering to hundreds, thousands, millions of refugees since day one. Since the first day of that war, we have had people there ministering and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the people of the refugees of Ukraine. This week, today, you have helped us send a Ukrainian pastor. He, he pastors right here in Plano. But he is today in Ukraine on our behalf, serving the pastors of Ukraine, telling them, hey, there's a group of people over there in Texas, and they love you, and they're here to help you. So we are, we are loving people. Uvalde, the tragic shooting in Uvalde. So that shooting happened at about 11.30, 12 o'clock on that day. 2 o'clock that afternoon, your representative from South Texas, who's a part of our staff, he was in Uvalde serving the police officers, the first responders, the school people, the pastors. An hour and a half, After that shooting, you had a missionary on the field praying with those people, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with those people. An hour and it took him an hour and a half to get there, but as soon as he heard about it, he went there. And since then, we have sent 400 books on how to recover from grief to the families of those people involved in those shootings. So I just want you to know, those are just two recent examples. Uh, I have a lot more stories about that. I just want you to know two recent examples of loving God and loving others that we're a part of. When it comes to this whole uh, making disciples, let me tell you about a ministry that you help make happen every single year. It's called Beach Reach. Now, I don't know... Down in far, far south Texas, uh, Brownsville, but right on the coast, there is a a town called South Padre Island, Texas. It's a resort community. I've been to South Padre several times. I go every year, actually. I go to Beach Reach. It happens during spring break. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't look like a typical spring breaker, so I I get that. Uh, But, so, do you know how many college students go to South Padre Island, Texas every year for spring break? About 30,000. And they come from all over Texas. They come from all over the United States. They come from Mexico. They come from Central America. They come from other parts of the world. But about 30,000 college students go to South Padre Island, Texas every year for spring break. And if you only watched the news or read stories or kept up on social media with what's happening at South Padre during spring break, all you're going to know is one part of a story. But the other part of the story is a, mission, is, a, is a ministry, a mission endeavor that you, Forest Community Church, help us make happen. So every year, this past spring break, you helped us send 800 student missionaries to South Padre Island. And they went down there to share Jesus Christ with 30,000 college students who had come to party. Now, here's how it works. Um, We sent 80 church vans. 
And what happens is these church vans go up and down the island all day long, all night long, and they just give free rides to students wherever they want to go. So the first time I ever went, I thought it would be a good idea for me to ride in the back of one of those vans and see what happens. And then I thought, that's not the best idea I've ever had. After, after about 30 minutes, I thought, it's got to be creepy for somebody my age to be sitting in the back of this van. Now, then I thought, some, some of these kids are wondering who brought their dad to spring break. So I thought, I've I got to get out of this van. So I went down to the Island Baptist Church. They give us their whole church for two weeks of spring break. And we turned their auditorium. It's not quite this big, well, it, about a half this size. But we turned it into the prayer room. And so I stay in the prayer room during the night hours while the vans are going up and down the island giving free rides. So what happens is the van pulls up next to a curb, a sidewalk, in front of a bar. It doesn't matter. And wherever you see a group of students, just open up the side door of the van and just ask a simple question, would you all like a free ride? And then kind of what happens next is you... I observed, they, they close the door and drive off. Just before they find out, they jumped onto a van full of student missionaries. And so it's kind of the way that works. But back at the church, the people at the church are praying for the conversations that are happening in those vans. It's pretty remarkable. And the students are tweeting their prayer requests back to the church, and the tweets show up on the big screen like this. And, and they're, they're showing, rolling, you know, pray for so-and-so. We just picked up so-and-so, talking to him about Jesus. We ch- just picked up three students. We're now talking to them about Jesus. We just picked up six students. We're now sharing Jesus with them. And they roll constantly. But then every now and then, a tweet will show up on the big screen, and they'll say the same thing every time. But when it does, everybody in the church stands up and cheers. Because what the tweet will say is, praise God, tonight, so-and-so, it'll give the name of a college student, praise God, tonight, so-and-so, moved from death to life. And then Thursday afternoon, a spring break. So you just kind of have to picture this in your mind, but there's, a, there's thousands of college students on the beach down there at South Padre. But on Thursday afternoon, marching right through them all are your 800 missionaries and All of those students who've made personal professions of faith in Jesus Christ in those vans or wherever during the week of spring break, and they go out into the Gulf of Mexico for a baptismal ceremony. And it is a testimony. It is a witness. It's a beautiful experience. So that's the first part of making disciples, telling people about Jesus. Then we get their names and we send their names back to the churches or back to the communities where they're from, hopefully getting them in a church like this. So that's a little bit about who we are. But now let me talk just for the next few minutes about kind of what makes us different. So a while back, I was invited to be on a religious panel. Now, this panel took place on the campus of one of the major universities in Texas, not here in the Metroplex, but a huge college campus, and we met in a big ballroom right in the middle of their campus. There was a room about this size, and there were about 500 students who came that night. But here, here's who was on the panel. On the far end of the table was a Buddhist monk, and then there was a Muslim imam, And then there was an atheist. Now, I never knew why he was on the religious panel, but there he was. Uh, And and then there was a uh, Jewish rabbi. 
and then there was a Mormon bishop, and then there was me. So when they called and asked me to come, they said, now, uh, remember, you'll be representing all of Christianity. Well, that was, that was comforting. And I said, well, I'll do my best. You just need to remember I'm pretty Baptist. So we got past all that. We each had to answer the same four very generic religious questions. And that took two hours. And then they opened up the microphone to the students And any of them could ask any of us any question that they wanted to ask. And a student went to the microphone, and he took it, and he said, Mr. Christian, that was me, he said, because we hadn't been given, this was not one of the questions that we've been asked, but he said, could you tell us just real briefly what you believe? You know, how do you say thank you? In that setting... For that question, I was grateful. Uh, and I had two answers I wanted to give. So, yeah, I said, I, I, I'd love that, the opportunity to tell you what I believe. And I've got two answers, and here they are. Here's, here's the first one real quick. I said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Son of God, and I believe He's the only way to salvation. Now, that, that's what I believe. I said, but and, if you want to go a little deeper than that, now, here's what I believe. And now, I... I wasn't, I was sweet, but I said, I just want you to know, here's what I believe. You want to go deeper than that. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. I believe he lived a perfect life. I believe he died on the cross at Calvary. I believe he was buried in a tomb. I believe that he was raised again by the power of God on the third day. On Easter Sunday, I believe that he's ascended into the heavens and is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And I believe he is coming again one of these days to receive Anyone unto himself for all eternity who believes all of that about him. That's what I believe. And so when, you know, when we got finished, the students could come and talk to us about anything. You know, the be- at least for me, the best news of the whole night was the longest line of students lined up in front of me to talk and ask questions about Jesus. And I stayed there as long as anybody wanted to talk about Jesus. Now, I say that to say, what is it that separates who we are as believers in Jesus and followers of Jesus, what separates us from all of those other religions? And right now now in Texas today, there are almost 150 different religions that are being practiced. So what separates you and me as believers in and followers of Jesus Christ? What separates us from all of that? Well, Real quickly, I'm going to read John 3.16 and just share a couple of verses, a couple of thoughts about that. But if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to John chapter 3, verse 16. If you don't have your Bible, you can get your phone. And if you don't have any of that, don't worry, I brought mine. John 3.16, many of you know it, but it just reads like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So... That, that, that's a great verse for us to use to talk about what separates us, what makes us different. You know, all the time you'll hear stories that say things like, or somebody will say something, make you an offer. But sometimes that offer that they make you is followed by the phrase, you know, that's too good to be true. Well, this offer of John 3.16 it is good and it is true. 
And because it is good and because it is true, it really is what separates us. So what we have to offer the people of Plano, the people of Texas, far beyond what we have to offer is unique and different. So what we have to offer, it's really simple. It's very simple the way I'm going to say it, but I think it's deeply profound as well. But what we have to offer is we offer people life. We offer people through Jesus. We offer them life. But let me explain what I mean by that. We offer eternal life. That's what here, John 3, 16, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in Jesus will have everlasting eternal life. We offer people eternal life. But not just eternal life then and there. We're not just promising life then and there. We're promising abundant life here and now. John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they might have what? Life. And they might have it abundant. They might have life to the full. That doesn't mean we're excused from all problems it doesn't mean that we're going to avoid disease and we're going to uh, be immune to, to difficulty. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means in the midst of everything that happens in life, there is an abundant experience of peace and joy that we know through the person of Jesus Christ. We offer people abundant life and eternal life. And that separates us. It makes us different. It makes us unique. So if you've never had a personal experience with Jesus on behalf of the pastor, on behalf of the church, I would simply say, consider life with Jesus. It's both abundant and eternal. So, we offer people life. Nobody else is offering abundant and eternal life like you and I have to offer. Secondly, we offer people liberty, freedom. Let me explain what I mean by that, though. I am not talking about political freedom. Now, here in the U.S., we enjoy that and we experience that and we probably take it too much for granted. But I'm not talking about political freedom. I'm not even talking about religious liberty. Now, I'm a believer in religious liberty. Absolutely. But when I talk about liberty and Jesus, freedom and Jesus, I'm not talking about religious liberty. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. Freedom from all those things that hold us back and keep us down. And freedom to be what God created us to be. Freedom to do what God created us to do. Freedom to go where God leads us to go. I'm talking about spiritual freedom. Liberty. You know, we had a a guy who used to work for us. I went to his funeral five years ago. He, He died five years ago. Um. His name was Yogi. That was his nickname. His name was James Douglas MacArthur Yeager. Uh, Everybody called him Yogi. So Yogi worked in our building. Yogi shined shoes in our building. Yogi shined my shoes. But the thing about him shining your shoes, it would take him as long to shine your shoes as it took him to share his testimony. I mean, that's just the way it was going to be. But he had a great testimony. See, he worked for us for three years. But before that, the previous 40 years, 40 years, he had spent in prison for a crime he'd committed when he was a young man. But his testimony was, 
it was only after I went to prison that I was set free. Because in prison, a Baptist chaplain from the Baptist General Convention of Texas shared the good news of Jesus Christ with him. And he became a believer in and a follower of Jesus. And he says, that set me free. That's one of the things we do is we, we, we endorse chaplains. Right now, today, we've, we have a thousand chaplains serving all over the world in all kinds of capacities, including prison ministry today sharing Jesus with the incarcerated people of Texas, setting people spiritually free. So we offer life, we offer liberty, and we're here to tell people, best of all, you are loved. Above everything else, we offer people love. Let me explain what I mean by that. It is not a love based upon anything that you do. It's not a love based upon who you are. It's not a love based upon how good you are. It is unconditional. It's the Greek word agape, unconditional. You are loved because that's who God is and that's what he does. He loves you. Regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, it doesn't really doesn't matter. God loves you. And we're here to tell people you are loved. You know, we're all very much alike. We all have the same needs. These needs have been identified in different, by different psychologists in different kinds of ways. But if you kind of boil it all down, there's, there's three basic needs that everybody has. Everybody needs to feel competent, like they can do something. Everybody needs to feel like they can do something. Two, everybody needs to feel like they can belong. Everybody wants to belong to something, to someone. Everybody has this just natural feeling to belong. But what's the greatest need anybody has? The greatest need anybody has is the need to be loved. And your greatest need is our greatest message. God loves you. And he loves you so much he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. So, that's what separates us. It's what makes us different. For God so loved the world. When I was a kid, my mother was my Sunday school teacher. You think this is a small church. This is a big church compared to the one I started in. When our family of five was there, we had 20. So and that was before my brother came along. All that to say, my mother taught me, that you could take that word world out and just put your name in there, and it would be the same. For God so loved David, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, down the cross for you. So, what makes us different? We offer people life. We offer people liberty. We're here to tell people, you are loved. Thank you for being a part of Texas Baptist. Thank you for being a part of the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Thank you for being a GC2 church where we love God and love others, and we're the disciple-making business. And we are making a difference because of people like you in churches like this. Thank you. Let me pray for you, and then I'll turn it over to the pastor.